Hey, it's Nick. And on this edition of the podcast, we look back and reflect on the life of a titan in the world of Detroit that we lost this past week, Dr. Charles Adams. He was the pastor of Detroit's Hartford Memorial Baptist Church and a very important actor in the social movements here in Detroit and even worldwide. He was an aide to Martin Luther King, a very vocal opponent of South African apartheid. An example of his work even locally was leading an economic boycott of Dearborn when the city closed its parks to residents. He meant a lot to a lot of people, and we lost him this past week. To reflect on it, we were joined by Kim Trent, who is not only the Deputy Director for Prosperity for the Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity, she also grew up listening to Reverend Adams' sermons. She recently wrote a piece in the Detroit Free Press titled, Reverend Charles Adams was more than a pastor, he was a legend. She joined us to reflect on what he meant for so many here in the city. Kim, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back in your studios for the first time in a while. Yeah, well, it's good to have you back. I wish it was on a little bit better occasion. Yes, it's but a sad time. even with it being such a sad time, it does present an opportunity for folks to really reflect. It seemed to be very personal when we think about your piece that you had to Detroit Free Press. So before we get to who he was for so many people out there, I just right. want to know, who was Reverend Charles Wright to you? Well, Char- um, Reverend Adams was, um, y- yes, um, he was a Titan too, Charles right, 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 right. Adams. Um, Reverend Adams was, um, oh, to me, how how can I even, I, you know, when I thought about it, I told somebody last week, outside of my parents and grandparents and immediate family, um, may have been the most important influence in my life. I mean, he's someone who, um, you know, I think made me want to strive for academic excellence, made me want to you know, untap the you know incredible power of the English language um, uh, made me want to be um, uh, c- fully committed to social justice and fighting for, um, you know, folks who are marginalized. Uh, you know, just I feel like it was such a privilege to hear um, his absolutely irreplaceable voice every Sunday um, throughout my childhood. <clears throat> You know, and through you know my entire life until you know fairly recently, yeah. um, he was um, pastor until 2018. Um, but every I count it a blessing to not only have heard him from the pulpit, but to have formed my own personal relationship with him. Um, and also, I was incredibly blessed to be able to give back to him. And like um, he, I was on the board at Wayne State University, was able to secure honorary. Um, degree for him um you know and he had 12 or 13 of them so it's not like that was the first one he had one from university of michigan he had them from ivy league schools i mean this was a man who was a national international figure and he was my pastor so i mean it really um he empowered me in ways that i tried to express to him in his lifetime but i felt it um i wanted to let the world know um what a giant we lost when we lost him. Yeah. And, you know, I can hear it in your words and just seeing you when you reflect on him. One of the things that you mentioned, of course, is hearing that message, that powerful voice, which I'm hearing from you, was an inspiration. I'm not quite sure how many out there, all of us have had an opportunity to hear. Some have, many haven't. I want to play a clip of Reverend Adams discussing the purpose of Pentecostalism right now. It is the Pentecostal challenge of the church to make people better than they are, to improve the conditions for human life, and to leave the world better than you found it. 
The Pentecostal effects of true religion are not merely vertical and spiritual and personal, but horizontal, political, communal, and cosmic. Cosmic, huh? Listen. (laughs) (laughs) So we hear a clip of what he feels about Christianity. But for you, who was someone who sat in the pulpit, uh, where did he view religion and Christianity? And more specifically, what role did he feel like they should play in personal and public life for Mm -hmm. us here? Mm -hmm. You know, I think he was a manifestation of um, you know, our Christian mandate to, uh, you know, the of the fact that, you know, um, the you know words are dead unless you actually um, um, use them to change things, to make things better for people, to um, open doors for people, um, to uplift people. And he uh, truly I mean, we had the Agape House we had, which was a um, I mean, everything from having a, a um, credit union to having offering um, Head Start to, um, you know, uh, substance abuse uh, um, support. I mean, just every kind of ministry that you can imagine. He went far beyond the walls of our church, you know, throughout his entire time as pastor. He did not see those, um, you know, and we had this beautiful cathedral of a church that, you know, he could have easily just sat there um, in this beautiful place, um, you know, gave eloquent uh, sermons every Sunday, and that would have been sufficient for some people, but not for um, Pastor Adams. He was notoriously, and I use notorious, the word notoriously um, intentionally because not everybody loved this about him, but he was notoriously generous, like mm. to a fault almost. I mean, this man gave everything that he could. Um, you know, people had, always talk about stories where someone would give him a check and he would immediately sign it over um, to, you know, some fund to help you know, scholarships or to help, you know, he just was an amazing human being beyond just, you know, being such a prophetic voice. I mean, he was a gifted orator. I mean, in the tradition of Dr. King, in the tradition of the great orators of, you know, American history, really. I mean, I really put him on that kind of pedestal. But that was such, that was just one dimension of his greatness. I mean, he was someone who truly Loved this community, loved the world, wanted peace. I mean, he was there for the signing of the Jordan Peace Accords, um, spoke to the United Nations about apartheid. I remember us having a sign, an anti-apartheid sign in the lawn of our church in the 70s, you know, and, you know, at a time when some people were talking about, obviously there was there was activism, anti-apartheid activism, activism on some college campuses, but it did not it didn't take off the way that it did maybe in the 80s when everybody was on board. I mean, this was a person who saw it early and said, listen, we have a mandate. We have a moral mandate to speak out against um, apartheid in, in all of its forms. Yeah, and it's not necessarily about being the first. It's about being there, though, when you have the opportunity, when you have the voice to spread it. Because we can only imagine when you mention how he's not only known here locally, mm-hmm. but nationally, internationally, mm-hmm. by using that ability to spread that voice to folks who might not be so familiar in apartheid. What does apartheid look like? How can, mm-hmm. What can we do about it? 
could have had a really big impact into the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, as we're speaking about the life of Reverend Charles Adams, who passed away this past Wednesday, speaking with Kim Trent, who grew up listening to Reverend Adams' sermon and recent sermons and recently wrote a piece in the Detroit Free Press. But we'd also like to speak with you. You can give us a call, 313-577-1019, to give us your memory of the Reverend Charles Adams as we reflect on his life now. Kim, you do things, you Deputy Director for Prosperity for the mm-hmm. Michigan Department of Labor and economic opportunity. So it's clear when you mentioned that uh, you had this inspiration from Reverend Adams to go out and to uh, make an impact that you're doing things like that with Mm -hmm. this current action. But he also did things and and you've given us a smattering of stories, but I don't know if you have a specific moment that you can recall or a specific story that you could tell to listeners that really gives them an idea of the impact Charles Charles Adams had Mm -hmm. uh, on Detroit and beyond. Let me just say this, just from a personal point of view, you know, in the 90s, um, what became began to emerge in the black church is this idea of prosperity. It's funny that my title is Deputy Director for Prosperity, because this prosperity teaching, this prosperity um, approach to the gospel, this idea that... Um, you know, Jesus wants everybody to be rich. And so if you rely on him and believe in him enough, and you know, he's going to bless you materially, really started to emerge. And, you know, people wanted to hear that message because everybody wants to be rich, right? So uh, you started to see kind of an exodus from traditional churches to more of this prosperity ministry. And, you know, no disrespect to people who, you know, have that belief. But for me, I think it is absolutely important to point out Charles Adams never wavered from his commitment to a gospel of prosperity for everybody, you know, opportunity for everybody, not just this idea that, you know, um, Jesus only is going to love you or Jesus is only going to bless you with prosperity um, if you follow some kind of edicts that, you know, are man-made. He is someone who wanted every, and so I I I really see that as a a pivotal moment because he easily could have shifted his point of view to make it more palatable because that was definitely the direction that a lot of churchgoers were going in and still, frankly, are still, you know, kind of in the thralls of that. And not just in the black church, but in all of Christianity, you're starting, yeah. you know, you see all of these pastors on TV and, you know, um, it, and I don't mean locally, cause I think we have amazing pastors who are on TV um, locally, who I, I, I am not talking about them. Let right. me just say that. I mean, these national uh, ministers who, um, you know, really have a, um, focus of only uh, boiling Christianity yeah. down to money. Yeah. So, Kim, he, let's let's yeah. unpack that for a bit because mm-hmm. you mentioned that it would be really easy to jump on that trim. Mm-hmm. Yet yep. he didn't. So, he did when we're thinking about, did you notice anything in terms of the impact it had on his congregation? Well, or I, how, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, in the eighties, uh, Hartford was one of the biggest churches in the city. I mean, it still is. It's still a large church. But I mean, I think we peaked at about ten thousand members at one point, and you did start to see some of them kind of migrating out to these churches that were teaching a. A, a gospel of prosperity and you know um I, I think that he probably knew the cost that was a consequence of the fact that he did not teach people that you know christianity was all about just yeah. getting rich you know he could have done that he could have pivoted but he remained true to his principles um and there are so many stories that i've heard even from his time as a professor when he was at harvard university you know he was uh he uh really tried to but one of the things he did here in Detroit that was groundbreaking was you know, had the church buy property. Like mm-hmm. I remember when I when I was going a little kid going to Hartford, there was a strip club down the street from <laughs> our church, <laughs> which was not you know that was not a great 
fit, really, for the community. Or maybe it was the best fit. Maybe, maybe there so, was the people that so. needed the word it, most it just, of all. It was a little awkward. But, I mean, so two restaurants. Yeah. Uh, he bought up land. We had restaurants there. We have a Home Depot that's on land that Harper owns. We have a senior village that just opened a few years ago that is on the land that where Lewis College of Business once stood. So um, when he was at Harvard, he really um, tried to, he, he had a number of symposium and, and programs um, that really uh, tried to help people understand that we, uh, the church can should go beyond those four walls, should be about helping people have the dignity of a job, having helping people have economic security. I mean, there's nothing wrong with economic security. There's nothing wrong with being rich, but it's, that's not the point of Christianity. And I think that, um, you know, he would not waver, even though it was the flavor of the month yeah. and still is to some degree. He was all about helping um, people find that connection to God that would really nourish them and then using that power, that God power to um, help build community. Yeah, you know, I keep thinking of the eyes of needles as this uh, conversation comes up. But uh, (laughs) uh, getting back to the roots of the message, we appreciate that. Before I let you go then, because uh, I'd be remiss if if we're remembering such, again, an impactful figure as Reverend Charles Adams here, who we lost on Wednesday. I do want to give you one last opportunity before I let you go. In in terms of legacy, lasting legacy and memory Mm -hmm. that he leaves for us in the city and beyond, what would that be for you? I think just consistency, Mm -hmm. um, just really um, being a force for change. I think that our current pastor, his son, um, Charles Christian Adams, has continued, you know, during the COVID crisis, Harford was a hub for, um, you know, supplies for, you know, um, cleaning supplies and, and, and masks and those kind of things. And then also for testing. We were, you know, we have always been on the front lines of every um, social movement, um, you know, f- fulfilling the needs of people. And I think that that continues. And so I'm really proud of that legacy. But um, on top of all of that, on top of all of that service and all of that changing of lives, he also uh, I will never forget the power of those sermons that really kind of um, shaped the way that I look at the entire world and, yeah. and my work even in the state of, of Michigan um, government. So incredibly proud of that heritage um, and hope that uh, I know that under the leadership of Charles Christian Adams will continue it. But I hope that more ministers will get back to those uh, that w- approach to the gospel. All right. Well, I, I'm going to keep you just a little bit longer because we <laughs> did get one call that okay. came in right under the wire. Karen in Detroit, <laughs> go ahead. You're on Detroit today. Good morning. I wanted to say that I had a personal experience with um, Dr. Charles Adams. First of all, the man was bigger than life. He um, he stepped right in when I was um, in the midst of I had a, a racist um, incident with a Catholic church out in Madison Heights. Mm-hmm. And I contacted Pastor Adams and Pastor Adams contacted the archdiocese and he facilitated a conversation for me so that my son could, um, could have a voice. Um, I didn't know at the time that my son would have been the only black child in this first grade classroom. And Pastor Adams put his his cape on and his <laughs> S on his chest and was like, no, we're not having that. And I had always been a member of, of Harvard since I was a little girl. My mom, my parents 
grew up with Pastor Adams. So I got to have an opportunity to sit in his office. And when I walked out of that office, I felt like I had a meeting with God himself. Like Pastor Adams was so much bigger than just the voice in the pulpit. He was an amazing personality. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. Can I say one other Please. thing that, that I think people, um, your story is so powerful. Um, but, you know, one thing that, if I want to talk about pet peeves, <laughs> there has been this myth that has emerged about, you know, a, a prominent business family in Detroit having paid for Rosa Parks um, uh, rent for many years. You know, Mrs. Parks at one point um, faced eviction from her apartment in downtown Detroit. And um, there's this myth that there's this prominent family that paid his the rent and Crawford Church paid Mrs. Parks rent for years but Pastor Adams is just not the kind of person who's going to like trumpet that from um, you know from the rooftops to tell people oh no it was us it was us um, but that really to me speaks to his character and the kind of thing he worked quietly a mm-hmm. lot of times you would never have known the millions of times that this man helped individuals and institutions. But that Rosa Parks story to me really resonates because to this day, I will still look on social media sometimes and see, um, you know, certain business leaders credited with um, helping Mrs. Parks when it was Harford, it was Pastor Adams leadership that did that. So, and he wasn't, he's not the kind of person who would have, you know, really corrected the record because the important thing for him was that he did what was right when Mrs. Parks needed us. And we're going to have to end it there. But Karen of Detroit, thank you for joining us. I really wish we had more time with you, Kim, but that's okay. We can bring you back. I'd love to come back. Kim Trent, <laughs> Deputy Director for Prosperity for the Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity. Grew up listening to Reverend Adam Sermons, joining us to tell us your memories about the late, great Reverend Charles Adams. Thank you for joining us on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Today's episode of Detroit Today was produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Nate Bender. Our assistant producer is Maddie Boyer. Editing and mixing is by Connor Anderson. Our music is by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. Our podcast manager is David Lyons, and our program director is Adam Fox. Detroit Today is a production of WDET Public Radio. If you love the conversations we have on Detroit Today, consider donating to WDET, the public radio station in Detroit that we call home. If you want to be a part of the conversation and call in, you can listen live every day on WDET.org or on the WDET mobile app. Or if you live in Southeast Michigan and still love listening to good old-fashioned radio like me, tune in to 1019 FN.